All scripture is God-breathed. So is there a reason why we wouldn't just read lines of genealogy on a Sunday morning? Sure. There's a lot of reasons. Care to say? Uh, some of it would be pretty boring. Uh, some of it might not be that relevant. Some of it might, might that be that interesting. Uh, some of it just doesn't need to take that long. So would there reasons why you would want to do it? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, depending on what it is, right? Like not all genealogies are equally important, right? Yeah. And this gets to your point, right? All scriptures equally inspired by God. It's equally breathed out by God. It's not all equally important. Okay. And so I would treat uh, different passages differently on the basis of what seems like their importance. Uh, there's certain genealogies, for instance, in numbers that I don't think are as significant as the genealogies in say the gospel of Matthew, where it's introducing the Lord Jesus Christ. So I think it depends. And I think there's different ways to approach those things, depending on what you're trying to do and the importance of the passage. Hey, welcome back to the Preaching Through Podcast. My name's Dave. That's Luke. How's it going, man? Good, dude. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. And uh, it's good to hear you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's, I don't know how I sound to the listeners out there, but, uh, you know, as you and I have interacted interpersonally the last few weeks, it hasn't sounded too good. I had some nasty bronchitis and yeah, my voice is still regaining some strength. I sent you a text message. I said, bronchitis, ain't nobody got time for that. Do you remember the I video? do remember that. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> that's, that's true. It is. Who has time to be sick? No one has time to be sick. And, uh, and you know, what's crazy, Dave, is I realized that actually the bronchitis I got this year was the exact same week that I got bronchitis last year. And the only reason I know that is because I had family visiting from out of town. They come the same week every year. And and last they, this time they're like, hey, this happened last year. And so I guess I need to make different plans next year. So did you really get bronchitis? I really did. Oh, okay. All yeah. right. Yeah, I had to had to call out on Friday to uh, one of our other pastors and say, hey, I can't, I can't preach this week. I need you to do it. And uh, grateful to be able to have a team and have people that can do that and do it well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've had to do that now two years in a row. So I need to make different plans next year. <laughs> so you bring that up and I was actually curious leading into that week, had you talked to him and be like, Hey, I don't know if I'm going to be able to go. Did you have a dialogue uh, before the week? So he knew, Hey, maybe I might need to step in or was it like Friday? Hey, well, I had started feeling not great on Sunday night. Okay. And so, you know, Monday, Tuesday, he started seeing me sick and then I was, then I was home. And so at some point, Wednesday, Thursday, he said, Hey, you know, let me know if you need me to do this. And, you know, it's one of those things where you're like, not totally sure, especially something like bronchitis. They don't, they don't diagnose that right out of the gate. You got to wait a little while before they're like, yeah, that's what it is. So I was kind of hoping, ah, maybe I'll just get over this. And, you know, at some point I didn't get over it. So. Well, I'm glad you're feeling better. But now, now. I'm over it. Yeah. You look good. You sound good. Well, thank you. Hopefully. I can't uh, help it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's just turn a corner here. Uh, we're, we're talking today about preaching through books of the Bible. Now, in yeah, season one, we talked about, I actually have a comment on that in a second. Season one, we had we had a section where we talked about preaching through the Gospels. And then we had an episode talk, talking about, actually, one of our more popular episodes, preaching through the Old Testament. So this kind of is in that same category yep. of preaching through books of the Bible. And the comment that I was going to say is currently, as of this recording, we're going through a book of the Bible, but it's more topical than it is expository. And would you explain what expository means and how we're doing it differently? Yeah. Um, and I would maybe even have a slight disagreement with how you, how you 
describe what we're currently doing, but that's fine. We can talk about it. Okay. Yeah. The the idea of expository is that the preacher is simply exposing the meaning of the text. So sometimes people will call it exegetical preaching. Sounds like a fancier way of talking about it. Exegesis is this idea of drawing out uh, what's, what's there, right? Exegetical preaching, you're drawing out of the text. Uh, the opposite of that is eisegesis or eisegetical preaching where you're, you're putting into the text, right? We don't want to do that. We want to draw out. We want to expose what's there. I don't feel like I have a bunch of great ideas that you know people need to hear. I feel like they need to hear God's voice. So mm-hmm. um, I actually think all preaching should be expository preaching, whether it's organized through books of the Bible or organized thematically or topically. Either way, I still think the job of the preacher is to expose people to here's what God is saying. Mm-hmm. Here's what this text means. Now, when people talk about expository preaching, they oftentimes, what they really mean is sequential preaching, whether it's through chapters of the Bible or paragraphs of the Bible or verses or even words of the Bible. And so um, that's oftentimes what we do. And I think that's a lot of what we're focusing on in this conversation on on preaching through books of the Bible. What we're doing in this particular series that you're referencing is uh, it's a series that I'm borrowing from a friend um, who did it uh, at a church uh, a few years ago, and it's called Confronting Genesis. Mm-hmm. And it's essentially looking through um, the opening chapters of Genesis, Genesis 1 through 12. And um, what I'd say is like, it's like, still an expository sermon. It's just, we've pre-decided to emphasize a particular area of application. So rather than hitting on all the possible applications that this passage might bring to bear, we're kind of pre-deciding on one. And so essentially it goes something like Christianity and truth, Christianity and science, Christianity and human dignity, Christianity and work, Christianity and rest, Christianity and gender, right? And we've kind of hit all these things. And what's pretty fun about it is that you're looking at these original earliest, you know, most foundational parts of scripture that are connecting to these wildly relevant topics, you know, but in that sense, we're pre-deciding a sense what the application is going to be, which that's not normally what I would do. Normally Mm -hmm. I would just let the passage a hundred percent do it itself, which is mostly what we're talking about here. But that's the idea of expository preaching. It's letting the text set the agenda for the sermon, exposing to people, here's what it's saying and here's what it means and here's how it applies and here's where it leads us. As you set it up that way, I Agree. So yeah, now we're, we are going through expository, but it is a hard shift from the primary sermon series that we most recently were in. We had a couple smaller ones, but we were in a series on revelation and that was very verse by verse by verse in revelation. Did I say revelations? No, you said revelation. All right. You were right on that, but, but it was actually really, it was actually less verse by verse. It was more like image by image. You know, because okay. we did it pretty quickly. Like yeah. it was Revelation, and I think we did it in eleven or twelve weeks. If you were going to really go verse by verse through Revelation, it might take you a year. Well, or let two. me say that it was verse. What you chose, it was sequential. Sequential, yeah. And yeah. you went through what what sequence, what part of the sequence you chose. It was very much like we'll read through this section, and here's what these images mean. Yeah, and even a real like practical way to think about this, Dave, is um, you helped me a few years ago actually to reconsider the value of titling my sermons. Uh huh. Before that, I didn't really care, and I think it mattered. Um, but I do think, actually, in a world where these sermons live on and have some life and impact potentially on YouTube and other places, having a relevant title uh, may not be super important for the people in the room, but for the longevity of this message, which mm-hmm. I've poured a lot of heart into, I think it's worth it. What's interesting on this series is we've essentially pre-decided the titles, right? It's Christianity mm-hmm. and Work, Christianity and Rest. Normally, what I'm doing is is going through, studying the passage, preparing the sermon, developing it, figuring out the areas of focus and application. And from there, 
picking a title that connects with exactly what I know I'm going to be talking about. So in a sense, I guess that that does represent a bit of a difference. And I don't think it's a thing we're going to do most of the time. Uh, actually, uh, after we're done with this particular section, we'll you know we'll do confront. It's confronting Genesis. It'll become exploring Genesis, and we'll essentially go back to the typical way we do it. Cool. So this year, we will over the course of about seven months preach through Genesis, and that's really what we're talking about: is how to preach through books of the Bible. One of the things that we thought about having as a completely separate episode was preaching through big chunks of scripture. And we thought, now we could probably fit that into this one. Yeah. That was one thing in Revelation that I was like, why are they choosing this set of scripture and not that set of scripture? Why yeah. did they talk about make that. a jump from, you know, Revelation six here and I'm flipping two pages to get to the next section mm-hmm. over yeah. here. That was something that I was very curious. How are you actually narrowing in? And so I'll be interested to hear some of your thoughts on that. Are there any other presuppositions or things that maybe you would want people to know about how you compile your sermon series. Of course, we did a episode on preaching through a sermon calendar. And so mm-hmm. folks can go back and listen to that. But is there anything else you would want somebody listening to know on, hey, here's kind of like my overarching thought as I'm putting the sermon calendar together, how I want to approach these? There is a way that I think about the sermon calendar and we, yeah, we did that episode on that. I mean, I am over time trying to give people exposure to lots of different parts of the Bible, lots of different uh, areas of application, lots of different areas of uh, having the word of God intersect with their lives. So very often I'll connect with our pastors and leaders and elders and say, Hey, what are some areas that you feel like our church needs to grow in, in the next year or two and, and start thinking through, okay, what books of the Bible or what topics or whatever, Relate to that. And I think I should say this in terms of presuppositions on the outset, as I imagine two groups of people listening to this. One might be people who they already tend to more often than not preach through books of the Bible. And my hope is if that's you, that that this will just help you refine it and help you dial in and maybe give you a couple fresh ideas on how to think through that. I also think there's folks who what they do more often than not is arrange it more topically or more thematically. It tends to be shorter thematic series. And what I would tell you, Dave, is I don't I don't have a problem with that. I don't think, I think a lot of times the expository sequential guys get a little prideful and full of themselves about it. Like that's the only way to do it. I don't think that's the only, I mean, they all love Charles Spurgeon who didn't do it that way. He just preached a bunch of random sermons all the time. So, uh, you know, I, what I want to say is the heartbeat is this always has to be expository. It always has to be bringing out God's word, how you arrange it, whether you arrange it by going through a book of the Bible or by doing it topically is not that important to me. But for the folks who, feel less comfortable going through the book of the Bible. They're used to shorter series. I'd like to think that this episode might help them reconsider or, or give them some ideas on how they might begin to try it. Because I do think there's some advantages to doing it that are worth considering. And I think, um, you know, if that's not your normal way of, of arranging stuff, it, it's intimidating. So if we can drop some of that fear factor, I think that would help. All right. Let's talk about preaching through books of the Bible. Your first 200 sermons are going to be terrible. This is something the late Tim Keller once said, meaning that no matter how hard you study, how many hours you put in, or how much you work on your preaching, there's this glass ceiling that can only be broken with more reps. So getting reps becomes your main way of growing as a preacher. But what happens when you surpass 200 sermons? What are you supposed to work on? Where should you try and grow? Or what muscles are you going to need to build to have a faithful and fruitful preaching ministry over the long haul? Well, the preaching 
Lab is a curriculum developed by our co-host, Luke Simmons, that fills this gap and takes preachers beyond what they've learned in seminary or Bible college. This live experience provides preachers with meaningful feedback, insight, and instruction so that they can improve their preaching for a faithful and fruitful preaching ministry. During this 12-week preaching cohort, preachers learn of minor adjustments to their sermon habits that have a major impact on the preaching moment. Tweaks that nobody in your congregation has the ability or the confidence to give you. It's a deep inspection of your routines, habits, study, and preaching all so that you can become a better steward of the gift God has given you every single week, an audience. This is your opportunity to return the favor back to your congregation and preach a sermon that is faithful and fruitful. Visit faithfulandfruitful.com slash lab to learn more about the Preaching Lab live cohort as well as the Preaching Lab on-demand video curriculum. Now back to the podcast. Right out the gate, I want to know what is the benefit according to you? Like, what do you see as the benefit of we are going to preach through a book of the Bible? Why would we do this? Yeah, there's a few reasons. One is that I think it teaches people to read the Bible. And uh, one of the most common things, I remember a book uh, some years ago now by Callie Parkinson and Greg Hawkins, it's called Move. It was a book where um, they analyzed tens of thousands, maybe maybe even you know close to 100,000 or so people who were part of you know some church association. And they all did this spiritual inventory test. And they tried to figure out what are the things that help people move from one spiritual growth category to another? What are the things that are catalytic? And what they found was that across the board, one of the things that everybody in every category wanted from their church was help me understand the Bible. Help me learn to read the Bible. And so I think that's just a huge gift that you give people if you go through it sequentially. One of the things that just over time they figure out is, oh, this is how you read the Bible. This is, you got to figure out the context and you got to, when you're stuck, keep reading and you got to look for keywords. And, you know, so I think that's a real advantage to it. The other big advantage I think is that you end up hitting on things you wouldn't pick. And uh, sometimes that's frustrating, right? We had an episode, I think in season one called Tough Texts, How to Preach Through Tough Mm -hmm. Texts. And a lot of times those tough texts are not ones that you would pick if you were just arranging a sermon series based off you know your own interests or topics. But they're valuable and they're worth considering. And they're the kinds of passages that people go, hey, help me understand this. So I think you end up hitting some things. You know, I, most people wouldn't pick a sermon series on church discipline. Some people would. Some people would really like a series on <laughs> church discipline. Most people would never pick it. Well, but if you're going to preach Matthew, you're going to preach First Corinthians, or you're going to preach through Titus, you're going to bump into some of that stuff. And it's really worth considering. I would imagine that talking about genealogies, like that opening question, yeah, hey, we're naturally going to bump into some genealogies when we preach about Jesus and his origin story. We're going to bump into some genealogies when we talk about Abraham and Jacob. And what's the significance of those? Or so is that kind of what you're talking about? Like you'll bump into those and it gives you an opportunity? Yeah, I mean, those are ones you're super excited most of the time to bump into. Um, <laughs> years ago, I preached through Genesis 1 through 11 more in a typical fashion. One of the things you see that's pretty interesting is in Genesis 3, you see this showdown between the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. That really what Genesis is doing is it's tracing the offspring of Eve and the offspring of the enemy. And so anytime you have these genealogies, it's almost always hearkening back to that. Who's, whose family is this part of? Whose offspring is this part of? And really what it's tracing through is that by the end of the book of Genesis, God has preserved the seed of the woman. And so 
in that sense, I don't need to open up to whichever chapter is talking about who begat who and who begat who. I, but what I do want to say is, hey, this is why this is here. I don't need to work through, let's do a sermon series on our facts at and what, you know, who is this guy? And we don't need to do character studies on everything and go in depth. But it is helpful for people who tend to just open their Bible and go, well, this is stupid. Why is this here? To go, oh, well, here's why it's here, because it's connected to this part of Genesis. So I don't think you have to go in depth or go slow through every single part. Some people prefer to do that. But that's some of what you have to figure out is, you know, how how fast and what do you want to do? When you develop your core beliefs about preaching and what you believe the sermon should be responsible for accomplishing each week, defining those will aid people in being able to read the Bible over time. One of the things you've said in a previous episode of this podcast is we're talking about reading. Can I just like, as a pastor, just sit down and read a book? Like, yeah, that's like, it's your job. Mm-hmm. Like you have to be responsible. You can't neglect other areas, sure. but it's a great gift that I have. And not everybody else has it, which is partially why I might feel guilty sometimes, but I'm simply using the sermon as an opportunity to pull out the things that I think you would see if you had the time to do it. Sure. Like I have the time to do it. So Using well, the- and it's important to me that that people see that they could figure it out, right? And that's I th- I think one of the other advantages of preaching sequentially through books of the Bible is um, there's a little less wow, how'd he do that? You know, I don't want people at the end of the sermon to go wow, he really he really found something no one else has ever found. Eh, eh, eh. That's a problem. That's a warning, mm-hmm. right? I, I want them to be able to see oh, that's where he got it. And I see how that works. And if I had time, I could figure that out too. If you're bumping into genealogies and your pastor has said, hey, we're not going to go through all of this, but what I want you to see is ultimately what this is pointing to. And you do that enough times, then as I'm sitting down and I'm just going through my normal reading the Bible time, I now have that frame of mind of like, oh, here's ultimately what many of these genealogies are pointing to or this type of scripture is pointing to. And yeah, and they do different things in different books. So I don't want to say they're all doing what Genesis does. Sure, sure. Here's one other just little freebie on the genealogies is when you read them, just read it confidently. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of times people get all hung up on the pronunciation and they make fun of themselves and they stop. No one knows how it's supposed to read anyway. Just go. Just let it rip. You know, or say, hey, here's a bunch of long names and we're not going to read them, but here's what they're doing. That's cool. So, okay. I don't mean to get stuck on the genealogies, but I like- Yeah, you're into this, man. Like 23 and me or something. (laughs) That would be a great, great birthday present or Christmas present if you're listening to Sandra. Uh, So uh, the next thing, so that was kind of our presupposition opening. The next thing that I want to talk about as we deep dive is you've got a series of decisions that you need to make. The first decision is, am I going to attack the entire book or am I going to go after just a section? And this always fascinates me. I don't know how you get to what you decide, but when I realize that that's what we're doing, I'm always fascinated by it. What's your thought process? Well, part of how I try to arrange a sermon calendar in general is that I want to, if possible, do some kind of rotation that more or less goes Old Testament section or book, um, gospel or acts section or book, epistle, New Testament epistle, uh, or, you know, a section or book, and then a topic, right? So those four things are pretty much rotating through. doesn't always have to be in that exact sequence, but I'm, I generally am not going to preach two Old Testament books back to back. I'm not going to do two gospel things back to back. I'm going to try to mix it up. Why wouldn't you do that? 
Well, you could. I mean, there's no reason you couldn't. I mean, some people might go, you know, what? I'm going to just preach through Matthew through Revelation and away we go. The challenge is you'd spend the first five years of your ministry focused on the Gospels mm. and then you'd never touch it again for the next 30 years. So that is really more like, I mean, part of my assumption here is like, yeah, there's people who are going to be in our church for their whole life. There's also people who are going to be here for three, four, five years. And either way, just giving people lots of different tastes of what God's word has to say, I think is valuable. So, but what I like to think about is the, am I going to go through a whole book of the Bible or are there certain sections that would be valuable to do? Some passages and some books lend themselves more to this than others. So example, you could preach all of 1 Corinthians or you could preach on love in 1 Corinthians 13, right? That'd be an example. You could preach through all of the gospel of Matthew or you could do a series that's just on the Beatitudes. Or you could do a series that's just on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, you could do a series in the Gospel of John, cover the whole thing. Or you could do a section that's the Upper Room Discourse, 13 to 17. So on and on you go, right? You can do all of Revelation, or you can do the seven churches of Revelation. And so I wouldn't always feel the pressure to always do a full book of the Bible because the longer books just take a long time. And that really you know, gets into you know, some of the next decisions we have to make. The next one is, which one's next? Yeah, and that's kind of what I, I think I just described is, is trying to figure out, okay, uh, where have we been? What do we need to see? So it, it, again, I'm also just not doing random like, well, we were in an Old Testament, so I guess I'm going to pick an epistle now. But I'm going to go, okay, we were in an Old Testament thing. Here's an epistle. You know, we haven't talked about spiritual gifts much lately. We haven't hit on that in a while. Okay, you know what? I'm going to do First Peter because I know I'm going to bump into First Peter 4. Or, you know, we really need to make sure people really understand the beauty of the gospel. So, okay, we're going to do Galatians. Or, you know what, man, it's been a while since we've hit marriage or parenting. Let's do Colossians because we know we're going to bump into that at the end. So that's different ways that you would just pick what's next. And, and a lot of that is it's prayer, it's discernment, it's plurality, it's the spirit leading. You know, this is the thing people always debate is, does the spirit lead far in advance or just in the moment? I think he does both. And so this is where you're prayerfully discerning what does the Lord want us to to focus on next. I don't think we've ever done this in the number of years that I've been at Ironwood, but have you ever done it to where you're going through the book of Matthew and you, like, that's the book. You're going through the book of Matthew. I haven't done Matthew. You haven't done Matthew. Are we doing Matthew? No, we're doing Luke. Uh, up, yeah, we? we'll, we'll do Luke starting at the end of uh, 2024. So, but, I, but I've, I mean, I've done the Sermon on the Mount. So I've done parts of Matthew. That's what I'm saying, but I haven't done all of Matthew. Anyway, your, so your the, question. The, the question is, so take whichever one you want. Have you ever been going through the crux is we're doing this book, but then you hit something that's very rich in the middle of it, say the Sermon on the Mount, whatever the case might be, and then just stop and break and do a, a series within that larger series so that you can really dive into one particular thing? Or do you feel like that kind of undermines the initial sermon series? Do you get what I'm asking here? Yeah, that's a great question, Dave. And I think whatever you want. I mean, like, <laughs> Honestly, and I'm not trying to be glib, but like, yeah, totally. And you could decide to map it out that way. So the longest book I've ever preached was Romans, which we did in 68 weeks. And there were, I think we did Romans 11 in one week. I think we spent two or three weeks just on the part in Romans one that deals with homosexuality, mm -hmm. because I knew that's like a really important uh, issue. We spent a lot of time in the parts around Romans 12, uh, where Paul's outlining what love looks like. Like we slowed way down. Now, in that particular case, as we as I was preparing it and breaking it up, 
and you know making the schedule i was having in mind okay here's some spots where i know we want to slow down here's some spots where we want to go faster but i think absolutely if someone you know if you've drawn up the preaching calendar and it is going at a pace and you go you know what we actually really need to camp in here for a little bit do it like i mean that's the whole thing if you have a plan you can change the plan if you don't have a plan then you're just flying blind all the time but yeah i think absolutely change it we did the gospel of john over how many weeks was it it was like gospel of john was about 60 Oh, I was going to say like 45. So even more than well, that. Well, it might feel that way because one of the things we did was we broke it up. Yeah. We did some other series in between. But yeah, this is where you just have to figure out like how how long do I want to be in this book? Some people, they just love being really slow, couple verses at a time, take forever. They don't mind that. And great. If that's you, then do, do it that way. I like to mix it up a little bit. Like if I've been in one book for a long time, there's a good chance the next few series are going to be more like six, eight, 10, 12 weeks. And I'm going to want to do that. And then I'm going to go, eh, you know what? Let's get back into a book for a while. So it's figuring out the pace. How fast do you want to go? Some of that relates to other things going on in the church. Are there mm-hmm. other big initiatives? Do you have any building projects? Do you have any vision-oriented things? Are there other dynamics that make it where to begin a long series would just be tricky? I was at a church at one point where um, this was pretty interesting. He was preaching through the book of Acts. And every time Paul got to a new city, he would then go preach that epistle, go all the way through first and second Corinthians and then come back to Acts. I don't know if he ever actually got through the book of Acts because, you know, it just took too long, but there's a million ways to do it, but you've just got to figure out what's the pace. How big of chunks do I want to have? Do I want it to be really slow, really granular? Am I okay with bigger picture? Most recently, uh, Dave, and I think we've talked about this on here. We preached through revelation in 11 or 12 weeks. Well, that's pretty fast. That was all seven churches of Revelation in two and three in one week, which you could easily do seven weeks just on that. But we said, you know, let's try to keep it big picture. We think a lot of the places people get distracted and in trouble on Revelation is when they get lost in all the weeds of everything. Let's keep it big picture. Let's keep the macro thing. Let's keep the forest in view. And I think that was a good way to do Revelation. I'm not saying it's the only way. just think it was a good way for us to do it. When we went through the Gospel of John, some of the other things that were grouped in there, we did a series on countercultural convictions. How many weeks do you recall us taking on that? That was what we believe as a church. Well, that one was funny because we had started countercultural convictions when COVID hit. And so then we, you know, paused it yeah. for a while. We did a number of short series uh, as we were trying to figure out are we online? Are we going to be in person? What are we going to do? Eventually, we started the Gospel of John. And eventually we came back and said, hey, we should revisit and continue and finish that, that countercultural conviction series. I'm trying to remember what the other ones were because I'm looking at the website and I'm having a hard time placing because. Uh, yeah. So um, here, I'll, I'll tell you. So we started the Gospel of John. This would have been like August of 2020. We broke for Advent. So okay. we did an Advent series. Then in 2021, at the beginning of the year, we started it back up again. In the summer, we broke to do Nehemiah. We were in a season of rebuilding mm-hmm. so many things as a society and as a church. And so it was like, hey, that makes sense. And we started back up in John, uh, broke again for Advent. Then we got to 2022, and that's when we finished it off. So okay. that's how we did that. But but again, that's another one of the decisions is, are you going to break it up or just go plow it straight through? Either way is fine. But it is a little bit of a, hey, what's the feel of this? I will say there, there's just certain books that, don't lend themselves to taking a long time. Like, like we're going to do Job later this year. We're going to do it, I think, in two weeks, maybe three. 
well, Job's 40 chapters. I mean, it's a long book, but like you can get the gist of it. You can get the point in about three weeks. Um, if you do Galatians spread out over 50 weeks, I mean, there's just only so many weeks in a row you can hit the same nail on the head of justification, justification, justification. So I just think like knowing what's in the book, knowing how repetitive is this, how diverse is this, right? There's some books that are just real diverse where even if you go real slow, you're going to hit a lot of different areas of subject matter. Ephesians would be a good example of that. Other ones, it's just the same thing. I mean, First John is, there's only so many ways to say God is love and you need love. <laughs> you know, like boom, 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 every week. So doing First John in 12 weeks makes more sense than drawing it out over 20. Have you ever hit something where you planned for a real short series and you're like, golly, I wish I would have allotted more time for this or the vice versa. And we said we were going to do this in 15. Like it really needs to be like six. Um, that, that probably has happened. I mean, over the last few years for us, since we've been networked with these other churches on the same calendar at the same time, it's been a little harder to do that where you make big changes and big deviations. Yeah. I've certainly had times where I've thought, Oh man, I'd like to spend more time in that. But that's one of the things I think you can actually do. I mean, I think I did Psalm 23 during COVID on video in two or three weeks. Well, it would be really delightful to slow down and spend eight weeks on Psalm 23 and really get into phrase by phrase almost. I mean, that would be beautiful and rich and wonderful. And there's no reason you can't do that. I mean, there's books I've preached multiple times. I've been in, you know, in this particular station in ministry for 15 years. I've preached Malachi multiple times. I've preached Jonah multiple times. I've preached Mark multiple times, different ways, different times. One time I did Mark in 16 weeks. One time I did Mark in 40 weeks. So there's different ways to do it. I'd love to go. We did Revelation. I'd love to go back at some point and do the churches of Revelation. So I think it's, it's always easier to do bigger chunks that take shorter period of time and then decide, Ooh, I'd like to spend more time there and, and come back and lengthen it or lengthen it in the moment. Do you know, past, I realize I'm just like peppering you with questions oh, here, great. but I got like lots of uh, things, you know, brewing around. Do you know any pastors who their board has influence and really says, Hey, these are the things that we want to make sure that we're preaching on what I'm thinking about in particular. We had an episode preaching through your first year as the primary teacher, first right. year in a new church. I can summarize that whole thing. First year, probably know what's expected, know what is important, know where you can kind of push a little bit here or there, and then kind of invite people along to where you want to go. Don't just make all these drastic changes. Let's say that you're in a place and it's like, no, it has to be sequential. Vert. That's what we've always done. Any insight on how you might be able to coach a preacher to say like, hey, if you want to do kind of a faster pace, here's how I would position some of the merits there. I, I guess what I'm asking is like, you're going to get resistance if the place you're in is used to verse by verse by verse, real slow. And I don't mean this pejoratively, but like drawn out. There yeah, if, if some, they're used to very very small chunks drawn out over time and you do big chunks, it's going to be disruptive the first time you do that. So I would be thoughtful about that. And probably like, I think we, I'm sure said in that episode, I wouldn't do that right out of the gate. Yeah. Um, you know, learn to, to get to that place. Yeah. You know, there's different schools of thought on this. I mean, in plurality on one hand, I would certainly say the elders absolutely should be able to say, here's what we're preaching. Um, with our preaching calendar, I, submitted it to the elders, said, hey, this is what I'm planning. This is what I'd like to do. I've worked this through with this person, this person, this person. This is what we're suggesting. Are you okay with this? 
So they proved that. Um, in future years, I imagine doing more, hey, are there any things you really hope I would and we would preach through? So I think that's absolutely an important thing and a valuable thing. And and certainly the elders of the church who are responsible for the teaching ministry of the church have full authority to do that. Another way to think about it, though, is a lot of times um, you preach the best stuff out of what comes out of you, right? So I think one of the best things you can do is go, what has been stirring in me? And so um, one of the reasons I'd love to slow down and do Psalm 23 is because I've spent the last few years in Psalm 23, just in my own life and in my own heart and my own holding on to Jesus as he holds on to me, right? So I think that would be like a really rich series. And I think elder teams and pastors would be wise to go, hey, what's something that in the last few years has really gripped me? Because there's a good chance if it really gripped me, it'll grip other people when I talk about it. So I'm down with that. But what if I feel selfish? that I'm going to use the pulpit to go through what's been really gripping me. Like, yeah. If you preach it selfishly, it would be selfish, right? If if it becomes a, Hey, let me tell you about how this applied to my life eight months ago. And that's every illustration. And it almost is like a a therapy session for the preacher. That'd be very selfish, but I mostly would just go like, I mean, (laughs) the restaurants, Dave, you tell me about, are restaurants you really liked. Mm-hmm. You tend to not tell me about restaurants you thought were, eh, you know, the things you get really into. I mean, you're, you're on a big hoagie kick, right? You found, <laughs> you found this grocery I store. Had, I had a Buffalo chicken has, sandwich today, bro. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm dying to, you keep telling me about this Buffalo chicken sandwich. And it's like, is it selfish of you to want to make me a Buffalo chicken sandwich that you're like totally geeked out about? I don't think so. I just think that's sharing out of the overflow of what God's blessed you with. So, yeah, I, I think it's totally fair. There's lots of different uh, aspects that we have written down here. We've kind of hit them, pace, size of chunks. I think we kind of talked about those. Anything else you would want to say about pace or size of chunks? Yeah, there'd be one more thing, which would be um, you have to decide about subseries. So sometimes you might just do one big, long series called the Gospel of John. Another time you might preach through the Gospel of John, but break it up in different ways create different art, create different titles where it almost feels like each, each, uh, you know, small series is like a smaller little thing. So I think churches do that pretty creatively. That doesn't matter a great deal to me. Um, but I think it's kind of a, another option. We did that for going through, uh, the Kings, uh, Saul, David and Solomon. It was a long series on, we want a King, but we broke them up into three subsets and it's, we want a King Saul. We want a King David. We want a King Solomon. And yeah, I saw Scottsdale Bible church, which is a church in our city. They recently in the last year or two preached through first Corinthians and first Corinthians is a great book that lends itself to that kind of a thing where they were just going sequentially through first Corinthians, but it actually looked like they were doing about 10 different four to eight week topical series because he's hitting in first Corinthians on all these different topics. One of the things that I liked about the revelation series that we did talking about preaching through books of the Bible, that series was defined by the, this is what we're paying attention to as we go through revelation. Revelation was not written uh, to us, but it is for us. Yep. Um, what were the other two? I'm like, I'm yeah, trying real hard to remember what the other two things were. Those were the Yeah, we said three. Revelation is uh, less about predicting and it's more about preparing. Yeah. And we said when it comes to Revelation, we're not on the planning committee, we're on the welcoming committee. Yeah. 
And so, yeah. And we repeated those week after week. And the fact that you got one out of three is I like, feel good I'm about kind myself. of encouraged by that, you know? And I think that actually did in part, like when we say, hey, preaching through this is a way of teaching people to read the Bible. As we repeated that week after week, people went, oh, okay, this makes sense. And we actually had a Revelation Q&A night that anyone could come to to just kind of get all their nitpicky questions or interesting questions or whatever answered. And one of the questions we got repeatedly was, hey, when you say Revelation isn't written to us, but it's written for us, is that true just of Revelation or is that true of everything? We got to talk about, well, that's actually true of the whole Bible. Is uh, We're always eavesdropping on the conversation that's happening between the author and his intended audience. One of the things that's very cool about how we approach a lot of the series, well, not a lot of the series, but what we can do is we have a podcast called King and Culture Podcast. That is you and one of our other pastors, Seth, will regularly get together and talk about different cultural issues. And a lot of times those will intersect with things that we're talking about on Sunday morning, or there will be episodes that have been done in the past that hey, we're talking about this now on Sunday morning, but we addressed this in the King and Culture podcast in the past. And so that gives you another opportunity to maybe do some different things with pacing, do some different Mm -hmm. things with chunks and say, we're not going to talk about this here. We did that recently with Genesis. There was like, we've got articles on the website. We've got these resources. We're not going to talk about those here, but they're very worthy of looking at. And so that can help with pacing as well. Yeah. You know, if you have the opportunity to create other outlets through blogs or podcasts or vlogs or whatever, it does relieve a little bit of the pressure to try to put everything in your sermon. It gives you another avenue. When we're talking about um, pace, size of chunks, subseries, the next thing is breaking it up over time. What type of insight would you dive into on that? Yeah, I think what I have in mind there is just simply, do you want to do it all in once or do you want to have other series interrupt it and interject? Oh, it? like we've talked yeah. about. Okay, that makes yep. sense. Yep. The last thing in this decision that we need to make, I realize I've like taken a lot of time just, again, peppering you with questions. Well, this is that's most fun. of what we plan to talk about. Yeah, so um, one preacher or multiple. Something that's really interesting that I've noticed is some churches will do these small mini-series and they'll have multiple preachers on their preaching team. One preacher will take this mini series. It'll kind of be like, you know, his baby, so Mm -hmm. to speak. And then they'll switch to another series and it'll be a different preacher for those four weeks. And they'll kind of ping pong back and forth. Um, I don't know that that's what you have in mind when you say this, but one preacher or multiple decision that you have to make. At our church, we just preach the book of the Bible and whoever's preaching preaches whatever's next. That's how we do it. So if, if I say, Hey, I preach through Romans in 68 weeks, well, I probably only did 40 or 45 of those weeks because other people preached other weeks. So that's the way we've chosen to do it. Other churches, I know where they'll do it, where every time Pastor Luke preaches, he's preaching through Romans. And every time Pastor Dave preaches, he's preaching through First Peter. And so I might preach three weeks in a row on Romans, and then you might preach, Dave, a week on First Peter. And then I preached three more weeks on Romans, and then you preach another week on First Peter. And it's like we're both preaching sequentially through a book, but intermixed with each other. And so I know some churches that do that. It's, it, it would never occur to me to do that. Um, so it's just kind of interesting to me. I don't really have a strong opinion one way or the other. But just as you think about what's out there, there are people who do that. I, I assume that the advantage of that is that it really allows one preacher to fully immerse himself in one book rather than having multiple preachers have to get really fluent in one particular area. So whatever it is you're choosing to preach on, whatever book you're selecting, 
the next question that I have is, do you want to dedicate an entire sermon to doing an overview on that book? Or do you just want to, hey, this is week one. We're going to start with passage one. Most of the time for me, I don't want to spend a whole week doing an overview of the book. Some people do that. That's pretty common, especially with folks that do sequential preaching. What I do now really is anytime we're about to start a new book, I go to the Bible Project. (laughs) Bible Project has done these overview videos that are unbelievably good, that are typically seven to 10 minutes long. Maybe in long books, they'll have two of them. And what we'll do is we'll get those links and we'll email those out to the church in advance. And typically we'll have a blog article or something that says, hey, here's the overview of this series. Here's how long we're going. Here's the chunks we're doing. Here's additional resources. And we really give people the opportunity to do the overview on their own before they come to church if they want to do that. Of course, in that first sermon, of course, you're talking somewhat about the context, right? The context of Romans is different than the context of Judges. And so there's some sort of setup work you need to do. But most of the time, I'm not just dedicating a whole sermon to overviewing the whole book. Why wouldn't you do that, though? What I want is enough of the context to be able to hit the ground where we are. And then I feel like we'll get to the rest of the book. Okay. Um, I'm, I might hit key themes. I'd say, hey, we're in the book of Judges, and, and here's what's going on in this, and here's a few of the key themes. But rather than spending 35 minutes on that, I might try to spend seven minutes on that, 10 minutes on that, and then get into the first section. Let's just spend a little bit more time breaking up the sermon series into big chunks, breaking up the book into big chunks. I would imagine this is where it could get a little bit hairy. What are some additional insights that you would provide just tactically speaking? Yeah. So for people who really, their normal thing is, is short sections, really long series. This is the part that can feel intimidating about how are you going to do Revelation in 12 weeks? How are you going to do Judges in seven weeks? How are you going to do Exodus in 12 weeks, right? It's so long. And you have to be able to do these big chunks in order to do it. And so um, the way that I try to approach it is really to say, as I go through these big chunks, what I'm almost always doing, so I'm imagining, I remember when I preached on Exodus and there's this whole section on the tabernacle, where there's the instructions about the tabernacle, and then there's it almost totally repeated again as they construct the tabernacle, right? And there's two, three, four chapters related to that. And I went, okay, I'm not going to preach verse by verse by verse and then do it again and do it again and do it again. So what I almost always do, here's what I do, is I will try to summarize it and tell the story. So I'll say, hey, let me, let me tell you about what's going on in this chunk. There'll be times where I drop into the passage and say, hey, read this chunk. And then I'll summarize maybe the next however many paragraphs or the next chapter. And then, okay, drop back down in. But I'm trying to just get people familiar with, here's here's what's happening in this section. And I don't feel the need to make points about it. I just want to tell the story. And as much as possible, especially in Old Testament and in gospel type narratives, the more you can tell the story, it's just really an interesting way to do it. Um, And so I'll tell that story. And then what I'll say is, all right, now let's look at three key takeaways from this story. And so rather than teaching each little piece of the story, I'm summarizing the story and drawing out some key takeaways. I found that to be a very helpful way uh, to do it. Usually what I'll say on the front end is, hey, here's what we're going to do today is I'm going to make sure you understand this story. And then we're going to pull out three things to take away. And that gives a nice roadmap for people to follow. 
but that's a really helpful thing. The other thing that I've done sometimes, Dave, and I remember I doing this in the book of Judges, which I've mentioned a few times now, is really within the series, you'd have a particular story and that story might have three or four different main sections. And I would frame it like an episode, like a, a series within episodes. So I'd say, all right, today we're looking at the story of Samson. This message is about this whole TV show called Samson. Episode one, here's what happens. Episode two, here's what happens. Episode three. And, you know, people are familiar enough with that from the way they stream TV to be able to track with that sort of thing. So, but again, it's feeling less of the pressure of I need to work through this whole thing and draw out meaning and application as I go and more like, no, just breeze through it, give the big picture, get the big theme and then apply it. In order to do that, there's a lot of work that happens in the week or the two weeks leading up to the message, but you've got to be fairly diligent in the way you're structuring thing and have things and have an idea of how it's going to go when you reach that particular week. So the last place I want to go is preparing to preach a book. There's some things that you need to do in advance and then things that you need to do week by week. What are those things? We have a whole episode about my sermon preparation process, so I won't rehash all of that. What I will say is one of the other advantages of preaching through books of the Bible is that you can really stock up resources and prepare in advance, right? If you know, oh, I'm going to preach the gospel of Luke, you could go on to a lot of different places and find an online course related to Luke. You could take a seminary course at a local seminary and go through the gospel of Luke. And you can begin to gather up and prepare resources so that when it's week one, you're not just starting from scratch. So I think that's a really helpful resource. What I typically do is buy two, three, four, five commentaries on each book, depending on how long the series is going to be and how in-depth it's going to be. Um, bestcommentaries.com is a great resource. They break all the commentaries down by whether it's technical, pastoral, devotional, and I'll typically try to have a, a little bit of each and uh, find those commentaries that I want to rely on throughout the series to to refresh and to read. Now, when I hit the big chunks, like I don't, I don't plan to read all that the commentaries have to say on these four chapters every time. Uh, but typically that's a, just a good helpful way to do it is to be able to, you know, have those resources that I'm going to, cause I don't want to start from scratch every week. That's exhausting. A couple episodes that you can go back and listen to. We've referenced them multiple times in season one. You can go back and listen to preaching through a sermon calendar. And there's a lot of insight in there into more of the things we've talked about here in terms of structure and strategizing. The other episode, Luke just referenced it. It's the bonus episode in between season one and season two. It is how to prepare a sermon. That's one of the most popular episodes uh, just because I think practically speaking, it's like, how do we do this and do it well? (laughs) I always love hearing how people do it. Yeah. And uh, so that's another episode you can go back and listen to. And then, of course, um, all throughout the, uh, the, all of the seasons, like we touch on little things here or there on how to do this well in the different nuances. Are there any final thoughts that you would add and maybe even some encouragement to preachers who are like, hey, I want to do more books of the Bible and I want to do them well? At the beginning, you began by saying all of God's word is God-breathed. And you're right about that. And we made the point, yeah, it's not all equally important, but it is all God's word, which means it's going to show up and it's going to do the work. And there's times when you're going to preach through a passage and you're going to be like, why am I doing this? I should have, this would have been a good week to have a big chunk where I combine this part with something else. And I just want you to trust God in it and trust that God will work through his word, that God has something to say, that the spirit has advanced in your preparation, that he's preparing people's hearts. 
um, his word is working and it's alive and uh, just enjoy that you get to be part of the the calling of God to advance his kingdom through his word. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Preaching Through Podcast. I hope it's been helpful. It's been like illuminating for me because a lot of this stuff, spending years in ministry, I knew some of the things that we've talked about, but I've never been the one or been in the middle of the conversation of like, here's the books we're going to preach. Here's the way we're going to structure it. So that was a lot of fun to hear about. And I would imagine there's questions that you may have as you're listening to this episode. And maybe you're even trying to build out your calendar right now and thinking, gosh, Luke mentioned judges like three or four times. Oh, I'm, judges is good, bro. <laughs> I'm considering it's my, it's my favorite judges. series I've ever done. But if maybe you're doing a, a, a series on judges, you're going to go through the book of judges and you're like, man, should we do it longer? Should we do it shorter? Send a message, info at faithfulandfruitful.com. We're happy to do it. Uh, looking forward to to our very next episode and uh yeah until then we'll see you later Bye.